Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, where the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. Bless God, we've been doing uh, two services here uh, early in the morning at nine o'clock and bless all the folks that are serving and helping and doing those things. And, and we got our 1045 service and, and uh, we're just pressing on in the, we've got a whole bunch of billboards set up for the new year. In the new year, we're working on a series where we're going to just, we're going to tilt the whole city of London. We're going to put it on a tilt so that if somebody fell over accidentally, they would automatically roll right to our door. We're just going to do everything we can in the new year. We're going to find ways. We're going to do things. We're going to, we're going to just blitz all of London because you know what? London needs Jesus. And we want to see London set free and saved. And every nasty thing that's happened in the lives of people, Jesus is the answer, and he's the deliverer. And I want to see all kinds of healings and breakthroughs. So we're going to go on a big blitz in the new year. We're going to see people. I'm kind of, we're working on it right now. If you got a great idea, I'm kind of like, why not have perfect vision for 2020? Why not have 2020, 2020, you get it, 2020? Why not have perfect vision for 2020? Join us. Join us at Impact Church for the perfect revelation of Jesus, for the really unpacking Jesus as he really is and really manifesting a good God. How do you like that one? Is that one good? How many think I should try harder, find a different one? Look, you got an idea of something, do it, because we're going to put it on billboards all around town. We're going to blitz the area. New Year's a time of change, transition. You know, how many of you have like decided to lose some weight at the new year and you failed? I do that every year, going to lose a few pounds. For me, uh, diet's a four-letter word preceded by 10 pounds of weight gain. So, okay, that was good. <laughs> tough, tough crowd. Hey, we're on the Jesus trip, and man, we're, we're in my favorite parts of the scripture. We're in, in the places where Paul was writing his epistles, and so there's so much reading, so much Romans all through the epistles. We're going to kind of talk about Paul, and today the title is Paul's System of Truth. Paul's system of truth. So Paul, in his writings, he had a system of truth. So look at Romans chapter 6, verse 17. Romans 6, verse 17, a lot of scriptures, so we're going to get on our bicycles and run hard. How many like Bible study? Man, I hope you do, because that's what we're doing today. We're doing some Bible study. Lots of verses. I got all kinds of verses, but I only got one sermon. Thank you. All right, Romans 6, 17. If you, yet you obeyed from the heart, you obeyed wholeheartedly that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. So this is Paul. Paul says, yet you obeyed from your heart wholeheartedly the form of doctrine. The Amplified says the standard of teaching. The NIV says the pattern of teaching. The Weymouth says you have obeyed the system of truth. He said, you have obeyed. There's a system of truth that was revealed to you, and wholeheartedly from your heart, you've obeyed it. So here's Romans 6, 17 and 18 in the New Living Translation, which we've been reading together. Are you ready? Here it is. Here it is. Thank God. Thank God once you were slaves to sin, but now you wholeheartedly have obeyed this teaching we have given. 
You've obeyed this system of truth. You've obeyed this doctrine that I've given to you. Now, see, once you're a slave to sin, but thank God, I had a system of truth. I had a revelation from Jesus himself, and you received the revelation that I taught you, and because you embraced that revelation I taught you, now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you become slaves to righteous living. That's a big deal. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's a big deal. How many want to do some righteous living? How many get all freaked out because it's not so righteous all the time? The answer today at Impact Church. I know. I know. You can say thank you later. Send me an email. All right? But this is it. You see, here's how, here's how you go from a slave to sin to a slave of right living. This is how it happens. You ready? That's what we're going to do today. Turn to your neighbor and say, pay attention. You need this. I know you. All right. Okay, James Stalker. James Stalker wrote a book called The Life of Paul. James Stalker said this. Paul's letters contain the best explanation of Christianity in the world. The right way to look at them is to regard them as the continuation of Christ's own teaching. They contain the thoughts that Jesus carried away from the world unuttered. They are the advanced teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying Jesus taught, Jesus lived, Jesus manifest uh, humanly. We saw what he did. We saw his teachings, but there's more. And there's more that was to be manifest. But, you know, he said there's some things I can't even teach you now because you couldn't handle it. Well, Paul, chosen by God to be somebody who would unpack the advanced teachings of Christ. And that's what Paul was doing. That's why the epistles are something you got to dig deep in and love and enjoy and devour because there's something in them that can transform and touch your life. Paul was specially chosen by God to make clear the inner workings of the gospel. You can be born again by accepting the proclamation, but you grow up, you come into full revelation and understanding of it in your life as you get intoxicated on the explanation. Okay, Galatians 1.13 said, you know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. So Cheryl was talking about Paul last week in his letter to the Corinth and Paul's background. And I mean, Paul was somebody on, on his way to Damascus. He wanted to obliterate the church. And on the way to Damascus, God knocked him off a horse. His name was Saul. And he got hit off the horse so bad that God knocked the S off his name. And now his name is Paul. I mean, boom, he got hit so hard. Bang, bang. So anyway, but now his name's Paul. His name was Saul, and now it's Paul. So here's Paul, boom. He said, you know how he did that. Here's a guy who was so trained in the word, though, that when he got transformed over that weekend where he was touched, he was born again, baptized in water, filled with the Holy Ghost, right away, because of the revelation in him and the Holy Spirit in his life, the Holy Spirit began to unpack the revelation of the word in his life, and he began to preach right away. But then they were all freaked out. Isn't this the guy who was trying to kill us all? And they were all afraid to go to church because they thought it was a con job. And he went off for 14 years and did some training and did some training with people before he came back. And God used him as an apostle to the Gentiles. But this was that Paul. Paul is the one who said, I was given a system of truth. Acts 20, verse 24, the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus Christ. You with that? You got it? The ministry which Paul says, I received a ministry from the Lord Jesus Christ. What was it? To testify of the gospel of the grace of God. 
That was Paul's ministry, to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Paul used the word grace more than anybody else 144 times in his writings. The grace of God. Grace. Romans 1.5. Through him we have received grace and apostleship. Paul's talking about himself and his team. He said, we received grace and apostleship for the obedience of faith among all the nations of the world in his name. I have a responsibility to disciple all the nations of the world to come into a revelation and an understanding that by faith you can embrace the gracious kindness of God towards you. And that was Paul's ministry. He said, I received that from the Lord. It says, uh, Romans uh, 2, 16. He said, in that day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. In that day, God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. And look what it says. He says, he's gonna do that according to my gospel. When, when we all stand, when we even as believers stand at the judgment seat, we stand there at the, the Bema seat, he says God's going to judge the secrets of all men's heart by Jesus Christ. And how's he going to do it? He's going to use my gospel. He didn't say the gospel of Jesus or, or the teaching of Peter or the teach, by the teachings of Jesus you shall be judged. Jesus said Jesus is going to do it. The standard he's going to judge people by is my gospel. Wow. I mean, dude. You're a little up on your teaching there. I think you're pretty, like, yikes. Uh, well, let's read some more. He said, 2 Timothy 2, verse 8, he said, remember that Jesus Christ and the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Galatians 2, 2, the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. Galatians 2, 7, the gospel of the uncircumcision, it was committed unto me. Romans 16, 25, now to him that has the power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret in ages past but has been revealed to me. God revealed it to me. He says in Ephesians 3, 21, if indeed... You have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how by that revelation he made known to me the mystery. Galatians 1, 11 and 12. But I make known to you, brethren, that gospel which was preached by me. It is not according to man, neither did I receive it from a man, nor was I taught it, but I came to it by revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul, everywhere in the scripture, is very clearly saying there is a gospel. There is a powerful gospel. It's the gospel of the New Testament. It's the New Covenant gospel. It's the gospel by which men will be judged. It's a gospel that God himself gave me to be a steward of. I am an apostle of the grace of God. Paul said, my gospel is the gospel that will cause liberty and freedom in the nations of the world. We will disciple the nations. How? Through my gospel. How many think, wow, whatever that is, it's a big deal. Paul said, I have received a systematic truth. I have received a clear doctrine. You got free from sin by obeying the teaching that I brought you. And that teaching will not only free you from sin, it'll cause you to live in righteousness. That gospel is not something you'll hear just to get to heaven. That gospel will flood your life and empower you not to get to heaven, but heaven to get to you and righteous living to explode in all that you are. If that's that gospel, how many want to know what is that gospel? Because I want some. Ephesians 3, 8, to me, whom the least of all the saints, this grace was given. I mean, I'm the least. I can't even believe that God called me. I, was, I wanted to destroy the church. And he says, I was unnaturally born. He says, all the others were born again. I mean, how many people do we know that were born again by God himself coming down and saying, hey, pay attention. 
I've been trying to call you. You weren't listening. So now I'm going to come and do a face-to-face. I need you. And I have called you. And he gave him a face-to-face, brought him into the kingdom. This guy was given an incredible message. And he's written a whole lot of the epistles in the New Testament to explain to us and unpack for us the new covenant. He says, to me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not by works so that no one can boast. It's the grace of God. It's God Almighty condescending to you not because of anything in you, but because of his love for you, because of his passion for you. It's all about him. He has done it all from beginning to end, and all you had to say was, I'm so grateful that's true about you, and you know what? I say yes to your gracious kindness and favor towards me. And then, though, you got to obey every day to make sure you stay saved. No. The same way you got in is the same way you continue every single day. Continue to drink. Wake up every day and say, again today? Oh, God, again, another day of favor. Another day as a slave to righteousness. Another day where you are absolutely committed to bringing forth your purpose in my life. I am so loved and I am so blessed. Until you fail, then you go to the back of the line. Do you know what? When you fail, you're still the apple of his eye. You're still loved. He's still committed to you, and he's still going to bring it about. Because this is a walk of faith. So how do you manifest faith when you just fell in your head? Oh, I feel awful. I'm going to feel bad for a long time now. Oh, I'm going to sit on the back. I'm just going to, oh, no. Oh, how could God ever love me? Well, here's faith. Wow, did you see that? I really screwed up again, eh? Holy cow. What a dope. That was silly, eh? Yeah, it was. I was right there, too. Went through the whole thing with you. It wasn't pleasant. But I love you, and I'm nuts about you. And you know what? Righteous living. Righteous living. I'm pouring it all over you right now. And it takes faith to say you're a child of God when you're not behaving like one. You don't need faith if I'm perfect. I am a child of God. I'm perfect every day. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. You don't need faith. That's works. But you know what? By works can no man boast. It's all about faith in what he's done. And you know, the only way Paul's gospel is, the only way you get free to live righteously is to accept that it's all about him. And the minute you mix it up with a little me, little you, you don't have the gospel anymore. And when you got a little me, little you, well, you were good to me, so I'm going to try to be good for you. Oh, see how that goes. Good luck with that. Now, you got to with my eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith, every day I'm going to walk with my face on him because I would not trust 10 seconds of my best righteousness to qualify me for his holiness. He is so holy that what he demands of me, he must impart to me because I could never achieve it. Just checking. Did we turn the lights down a little bit? I don't know. Trying to see people. Okay. Where was I? I got to look. Oh, there it was. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. You know when it's not a gift? It's not a gift when you earn it. It's not a gift when you did something. Say, I checked all my boxes. Can I have righteousness now, please? 
It's not a gift. It's 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 a gift of God, not of your works, lest anyone should boast. Nobody's going to say, hey, I wasn't so hard to save, was I? I was pretty good, eh? I mean, I know some of those other people, you had to work really hard to save them, but I did a pretty good job, I have to say, you know, did good, didn't I? Back of the line. Okay. Ephesians 1, 6 and 7, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he made us accepted in the beloved, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to your ability to behave. I'm doing that on purpose, just see if you're paying attention. What's it according to? It's according to the riches of his grace. Say grace. Say grace. grace. Say amazing grace. grace. How sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. So good, eh? So good. All right. I have to pause right now for a commercial. George McCleary, who leads worship and helps, runs our worship program here. He tried out for the uh, super duper dream colored coat super boat sports car thing. What is it called? Joseph and the multicolored Corvette Stingray. <laughs> Anyways, you guys know that one. Donnie Osmond. Remember Donnie Osmond played the lead in that? Well, they're going to do that. Is that it? See, they're going to do that at the, at the Grand Theater here in London. They're going to do that. And George tried out just to be one of the cast. Just so we could hang out and come out every once in a while. Woo! Really weird, but one Christmas he was playing a Nazi soldier in a Christmas show. That was really strange. But he, he wanted to just play a role in it. And so he went and he tried out, and then he got a call. And they said, would you come back? He said, sure, I'll come back. They said, this time we'd like you to come back and try out for the main character. We'd like you to try out for Joseph. The Grand Theater. So he came back, and he tried out, and he got second place. No, 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 no. He went, he tried out for it, and he is Joseph in the multicolored Corvette story. At the Grand Theater, and it's going to come in March, and you've all got to buy a ticket and go and take friends that say, that's, that's a guy on staff at our church. Pretty cool. So sorry, I had to do that commercial just because I'm so proud of him. And I just, uh, I've, I've, I've been praying that nobody would ever find out about him, that he'd still stay on staff with us, and that every once in a while, God would throw him a bone and he'd really get to do what he loves. But as long as he could stay here with us, right? Amen? Just join with me now. Let's agree. Let's bind our hearts together. Just kidding. Yeah, you're a superstar. You always have been. I think it's amazing. Sorry for that commercial, but I thought that was pretty special. Amen? You know what? Man. You know, you, you, you decide to serve a poor little fat pastor like me. And, uh, and you know what? God will grant you the desires of your heart, George. You know, so it's a good story. Amen. So let me look at the screen again. All right. Ephesians 1, 6 and 7, to the praise and glory of his grace, by the riches of his grace. Grace is goodwill, loving kindness, favor. Grace is the merciful kindness of which God exerted his holy influence upon our souls. He turns us to Christ, keeps us, strengthens us, increases us in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, kindness, and virtue. That's grace. That's what grace is all about. Grace, real simple one for those who like simple definitions. Here's mine. God's riches at Christ's expense. What Jesus did qualified us to walk in the favor and goodness of God. Amen? I mean, thank God it is amazing grace. Galatians 1, 6, and 7, I marvel. 
Here's Paul now. He goes and he starts these churches and then like they start, they start doing a hybrid. They start doing, well, we believe God's really good, but we believe we got to be really good because God's good. So we better be good if we were going to, you know, God's going to accept us. So they had a bunch of Judaizers and horrible people come and say, oh yeah, God really loves you, but then he, and he saves you, but then you got to do a bunch of stuff to keep yourself saved. And that's a lot of what you hear in churches these days. You know, you hear a lot, oh, of course God's for you until he's not. God's with you until he's not. You're in intimate fellowship with him until you're not. Your sin has separated you from God, you terrible people. So try harder. Come back next week. We'll have another sin management course. Sadly, that's a lot of what goes on. But here's Paul. When I marvel that you're turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another gospel, but there are some of you, there are some who trouble you. And you'll always find Christians who want to trouble you. Careful. What Pastor Carl preaches, he's got a really good God. God's not that good. So he's going to have to repent when he gets to heaven to God. God's going to say, Carl, it wasn't that good. Sorry. No, I tell you, he's that good. He's really, really good. He's gooder than I could ever explain. His goodness is off the chart. I don't even have words to express how amazing he is. His grace is amazing. He called you to the grace of Christ. Don't embrace a different gospel. There's people that will trouble you, though. There's people who tell you, yes, but, you know, the rules, the rules, the rules. You know? But there's people who want to trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. And it was Judaizers who wanted to add stuff. You got to get circumcised. You got to be laws. You got you to eat the foods. You got to be careful about this, da 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 and they added all that stuff to it. And he said, that's just rough stuff. Galatians 2.21, he said, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. So don't get me wrong. All the righteousness is incredibly important because it's his righteousness. All the holiness is incredibly important. Sin is going to mess with your life. Sin has, has punishments of its own. God doesn't punish you for sin. Sin has written right in its DNA to cause you grief. But thank God he set me free from sin. And the way to get free from sin isn't to try to stop sinning. The way to get free from sin is to confess, I am a child of God. I am a slave to righteousness. I am free from the power and the penalty and the consequence of sin. You don't get rid of sin in your life. I'm going to try not to do that anymore. Oh, you know, can 10 of you people call me every day and say, don't do that. You know, if I could get 10 people to covenant with me to call me every day, I knew you're going to do that. Stop it, stop it, stop it. That's just creepy, crazy religion. Can you, can you change the password on my TV and don't tell me what it is so that I will never, ever watch something evil? Well, if I got to do that for you, I'm your savior. If I got to do that, you set me up as the beat cop in your life. So every time you scrub, you go, hey. You screwed up again, just telling you. I don't want to do that. Do you want to do that? Who wants to make me the beat cop for all your messiness? All his closed eyes, three people. All right, you know, I could do three, maybe three, but not all of you. I don't want to go through that. I'll tell you, Jesus, once and for all, he dealt with it. And you know what? It's by faith. It's not, it's not by, you know, a, a little uh, accountability plan with my pastor. But I'd like the accountability plan because that's tangible. You don't think the Holy Spirit in you is tangible? You don't think the one who has promised to lead you into all truth is tangible? Then you don't, you don't have a, a sin problem. You have a revelation problem because you don't know how incredible your salvation is. That was actually really good right there. Let me say it again. Because then you don't know how incredible your salvation is. 
Still didn't work. You don't know how incredible your salvation is. I believe, I believe, I trust that you could bring about righteousness in my life, Pastor Carl. You could do it. If you just follow me around every day and go, stop it. I believe that you could keep me on the straight and narrow. I have faith in you, Pastor Carl, that if I, you just woke up every day and said, hey, let's go now. Okay. Hey, whoosh, stop it. Oh, hey. Whoosh, whoosh. I believe that you could keep me on the straight and narrow. You don't believe the Holy Spirit could do that? You don't believe the one that's in you? The one who's almighty, all-powerful, paraclete, comes alongside of you. He is your advocate, your teacher, your standby. Almighty God is on the inside of you, and he can't keep you straight. You have a revelation problem. I don't know if you got that on video, but I clicked my heels. Next thing is, can you do it twice? If I do it three times, I'll be in Kansas. All right, settle down. I'm trying to preach here. Sharon, you're getting too carried away there. It's not that funny. All right. Or maybe it is. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't see it. Saving grace took sin off the books, took it off our books, and sustaining grace keeps sin out of our lives. You ready? Say a word with me. You ready? Say a word. Indicative. Say imperative. Say indicative. Say imperative. Has nothing to do with the sermon, just wanted to see if you could do that. It does, very important. Paul had a system of teaching. He had a system of teaching involved grace, but he also had a style of teaching where he always talked about your position before he talked about your behavior. He always talked about what God has done for you, therefore, here's what can be released in your life. He talked about all the ways that God delivered you and set you free, so now you can live out that freedom. So I like to call it, there's really good news, and then after you understand the good news, here's some really good advice. And that's the way I really like to see it. Now, if you give people good advice about how to live a righteous life without telling them the good news and firmly establishing them in the good news, you have set up a religious track that will discourage them, beat them up, and constantly make them feel inadequate. And that's why Paul always taught the indicative before he taught the imperative. All right, the indicative is the teachings. It's the, it's the things that God has done internally in your life. The imperative is this. Now, here's how you can live that out in your life. So it's the indicative and the imperative. Give me another slide. It's theology, ethics, doctrine, duty, position, practical belief, behavior, freedom, responsibility in Christ in the Lord. Never get them backwards. Never mix them up. Don't try to understand ethics without proper theology. Don't try to understand duty without understanding doctrine. Never mess them up because you will get yourself on a religious treadmill. Say amen, even if you don't know. All right, give me another slide just because we're having fun. So many, quote, this is a quote, so many of us cavalierly gloss over what he has done and zero in on what we are to do. And that shift, though it might seem slight, makes all the difference in the world. Our obedience has its origin in God's prior action. And forgetting that truth results in self-righteousness, pride, and despair. As you study scripture, remember that the imperatives are always rooted in the indicatives. God calls you to become who you already are in Christ. I always want to appeal to who you already are. I don't want to appeal to what you got to do to get something. I want you to realize that God gave you everything. You are complete in Christ, and therefore I'm calling out of you what God has placed in you. I'm not trying to make you do something you can't do. God can say, be holy as I am holy, because he gave us his holiness. God can call forth his righteousness in us because he gave us as a gift his righteousness. He became sin for us that we might be the righteousness of God. Where? In Christ. Next week, come, we're going to talk about in Christ. That's another serious part of God, of Paul's teachings, in Christ. 
All right? <clears throat> Another slide. Neil T. Anderson, God has not given us power to imitate him. He has made us partakers of his nature so that we can actually be like him. I'm not imitating him. I am him. Literally, the angels, when I walk down the street, the angels go, oh, it's you, Carl. I went, yeah, it's me. What'd you think? I thought it was Jesus. Because I'm not imitating him. I'm a partaker of his nature. And literally, they, they turn and go, oh, wow. I thought that was Jesus. Why? Because I am a partaker of his divine nature. And if you think, well, you're really big on yourself, you should be that big on yourself because that's who you are. That's who you are. And you see, you know why we fall on our heads? Because we don't realize that's who we are. Well, I'm not really that good. Yes, you are. I tell you, I, I went, I jumped in a pig pen, slopped around with pigs, got all dirty, stinky, and messy. Did I become a pig? No, it's still Carl who, for some dumb reason, decided to get in a pig pen. You cannot change that he, you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things passed away. All things have become new. You'll never change that. God did it, and he's never going to change his mind. Now, you can be a, a dullard and a dope and mess with that and not become all that he's called you to be, but that doesn't change the fact that that's who you are. All right, give me another slide because I'm rolling. 1 Corinthians 1, 2 to 11. To the church, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, those who are the saints called to be saints, there is contention among you. He says, you are the saints. You are righteous. You are holy people. And yet I got to talk to you like you're pigs. Basically, he's saying, you're acting like humans. You are supernatural beings. You are recreated. You are partakers of the nature of God. And yet you're behaving like you're humans. Pastor, we are humans. No, you're not. Pastor, I'm only human. No, you're not. That's what Paul said. You guys are holy. You're hagios. You're the holiness of God himself. And yet you're behaving like mere humans with dissensions and factions. I can't believe I got to write this letter to you and talk to you like you're humans. You're not. Folks, you're not human. You're a supernatural being. You are a partaker, a carrier of eternal life right now. I'm not waiting to get eternal life. I am an image bearer. I am a carrier. I am a living mobile tabernacle of the very presence, power, and majesty of God. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, it dwells in me, and it quickens this flesh, this sarks, this mortal body. I am a living, walking, breathing manifestation of the headship of Christ. Can I get a Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? It's like the Holy Ghost goes through you. Man, you're acting like mere humans, folks. Come on. We're way, way further ahead than that. Amen. Pastor, come on. Amen. 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 So Galatians chapter 5, 13, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty, but don't use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through this liberty, serve one another. See, the flesh is selfish. The flesh has rights. The flesh has things. But you see, you didn't get, get set free to, to do whatever you feel like. You got set free to be a servant of God. What you could not do, you've been set free from everything that hinders you from manifesting the life of Christ. Therefore, listen, don't jump in the pig pen. Live out of your new nature. Amen? 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 I'm free. Yeah, you're free to honor God. You're free to be everything he's called you to be. You're free from every entanglement that limits you from manifesting the righteousness of Christ. You're free. Who the sun set free is. 
free indeed, free indeed, free indeed. All right, so there's a difference between relationship and fellowship. I'm, I'm little, I shared this with Cheryl and Zach, and I believe this just in the context of a natural context. I, I, I'm married to my wife, and I'll never be more or less married to her. But believe it or not, there's sometimes I feel closer to her. There's sometimes we have a relationship, but there's sometimes when, you know, the fellowship is sweet. There's other times where we're having a different kind of fellowship. It's intense fellowship, still fellowship, a little intense at times. But, you know, I guess that's true. I guess you can be in a relationship with somebody where there, you might be in a relationship. Relationship itself legally hasn't changed, but, but it's, it's not as fresh as it could be. But I'll tell you this. With God, I, what I don't want to do is set you up on a treadmill. See, there you go. Intimacy. We've got to work on our intimacy. You don't have to work on your intimacy. You have to receive it. You don't work on it. You receive it. You see, because God, God isn't going, yay, where you haven't been close for a while. You haven't sent me flowers or, you know, your prayers have been kind of weak. And I don't know if you like me a lot. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of put off. God's not like that. It says God in, in the Song of Songs says just one glance from you and he blushes. He's a pushover. You know, if you, you don't feel intimate with him, just turn around. And he's right there. Because it's always yes. He is nuts about you and he'll never change his mind. And he's not like struggle back into a close place. You were close once with me. Now you're not. So please struggle for months to get back to where you were. That's such rubbish. And it's such nonsense. And that itself turns into a religious treadmill. Nonetheless, you can be in a relationship with God and not be in fellowship with him. But you always should be. And if you feel you haven't been, please come to prayer at six o'clock on Wednesday. No, just kidding. That was, that was only for Henry, just for Henry. Henry that was the Lord, Lord's word to you, Henry. Just kidding. Okay, grace gives me spiritual union, and then I get to unpack the benefits. Grace gives me spiritual union, and then I get to unpack the benefits, which means like, there's times that we, we, we get union with God, but we're not, not unpacking how awesome the union is. And you see, God is awesome. He'll never stop giving to you and blessing you. But you got to stay in that place of, I want more. I just want to peel back more layers of how amazing you are and just let it flow in your life. And he is always, yes. You just got to say, amen. All right, give me another slide because I'm totally lost. All right, Colossians 3, 1 to 2. If you then having been raised, here's the indicative. If you then having been raised, are you raised? It's conditional. And literally the if could be since. Since you've been raised. You've been raised as a child of God. You've been raised with Christ. You died with Christ. You were buried with Christ. You've been raised with Christ. So here's the indicative. You're raised with Christ. So what should I do now? You should seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above. There's a positive imperative that comes out of an indicative. But don't try to do the imperative without the indicative. See, where are you? I'm seated with him in heavenly places. What should I be doing up there? Looking around at all the good stuff I got. I am reigning and ruling. There's stuff in the heavenly realm that's yours that you get to call into manifestation so that the unseen can come to the scene. It's already done. Everything you need, it's already established. And you're seated with him and you're looking in the unseen realm. There are all kinds of benefits, pleasures. See, God doesn't say, now you're seated with me. Look at me. He says, look at the things. Look at the things which are above where you're seated, right? That's a positive imperative. And don't focus on the things of the earth. There's a negative imperative. So don't get bogged down with the nonsense down here. Live out of up here. And if something's not in manifestation down here, call it into sight. And that's what God wants you to do. Give me another slide. Sorry. 
All right, your mind is trying to, this is Caroline Leaf, great book, by the way. I've done this study a couple of times, switching on your brain. Caroline Leaf said, your mind is trying to catch up with what your spirit already knows. Your spirit already knows this. That's why as I'm preaching, your spirit is going, yes, yes, because your spirit already knows this. Your head is going, really, really? So your head's arguing, it can't be this good, is it? And your spirit's going, it is, it is, shut up, pay attention. Let your mind catch up with what your spirit already knows. Can I get an amen? All right. Thank you, Terry. It's good stuff right there. All right. So I'm sorry. I've completely lost my way. Oh, there. Ephesians 4, 23 and 24. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you might put on the new man, which is created according to God in true righteousness. Now, now that's, that's, it's done. The new man is done. Now let your mind catch up with the reality that is already yours in Christ Jesus. Romans 12, 1 to 2. Here's, here's the 11 chapters of indicatives, 11 chapters of all the finished work of the cross, 11 chapters, and then all of a sudden he turns the corner and he goes, he says, now therefore I beseech you in light of all of the mercies of God, here's what you should do. Transform your minds. Let your mind catch up with this reality. Be transformed by renewing your mind so that you can embrace all the good and acceptable things that are yours in God. <clears throat> so that's the indicative and the imperative. Now, grace is a gift. It's a gift of the nature, the empowering presence of God. The law demands performance, but grace empowers performance. All right, so we're coming to a rapid conclusion. Can I get an amen on that one? Two people. All right, Galatians 3, 3 and 5. How foolish can you be after starting a new life in the Spirit? You're trying to become perfect in your own human effort. I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message that you heard about Christ. Again, Paul says it's the message. It's honoring the message. It's embracing this system of doctrine and having faith in the finished work of the gospel. That's what transformed your life. Galatians 4, 21 to 30. Tell me then, you who desire to be under the law, you want want to be legalists. You who want to say, well, performance matters. Performance matters if it's rooted in the finished work of the cross. Performance that's not rooted in that doesn't matter. It's self-righteousness. If it's rooted in the, the cross, good. Tell me, you desire to be under the law. Do you, do you hear the law? For it's written that Abraham had two sons, two sons from two different wives. The first wife, it says they're symbols of the two covenants. So the Bible's interpreting for this for you. The Bible is interpreting the Bible. So the Bible says Hagar represents the law. Sarah represents grace. So if you're trying to obey the law, you were under performance. You, Abraham performed. He wanted to bring forth the promise on his own. God's not doing it all, do it. He took the slave woman and he had a son. Hey, look a son the promise it wasn't the promise it was flesh so he's saying there's flesh when you try to do the righteousness of God on your own it's flesh and then it says but Hagar was 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 that but Sarah was the new covenant so under the new covenant there's Sarah so which one are we going to live under now it says that the, the give me another slide here because this is important right here look at the word persecuted it means to pursue in a hostile manner do you know what religion does it pursues you in a hostile manner you know what religion does to the grace message it pursues it in a hostile manner those people have gone too far those people they just don't get it you got to be careful around those people I'll tell you religion the flesh pursues grace and tries to chop it off and say be careful be careful be careful but that's what I expect from people in the flesh but you see it pursues it in a hostile manner those who are born of the spirit and so it is now Paul is saying it's the same thing today and I would tell you it's the same thing in 2019 
that the flesh and people who want to be righteous by their own actions and self-righteousness, they still persecute in a hostile manner the message of the goodness and the grace of God. So him who was according to the spirit, even so now, nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bombed women and her son. Now, now Abraham was just like, I love this kid. I know it was wrong and it wasn't right, but Sarah, take a pill. I mean, I'm not going to get rid of this kid. And then all of a sudden God comes and says, your wife is right. You got to do what she said. And see, what they're saying, what Paul's trying to say with this analogy, it may seem harsh, but the analogy that God is trying to make is, is that you cannot have mixture in your home. You cannot have mixture in your life. You cannot have a little bit of self-righteousness and a little bit of the righteousness of God. You cannot have a little bit of grace and a little bit of try hard. Because if you have mixture, you will have a different gospel and you'll have no power to manifest what's going on. You cannot overcome sin because there's mixture in your life. You cannot overcome the thing you want to overcome because you've still got some legalism, some bondage, and some religion that is pulling you the wrong side of the track. The only way to get free is to fully, completely remove self-performance from the equation all together. And when you do that, you'll start to manifest the promise. That's what the scripture's trying to tell you. It's not like, isn't that a mean story? No, it's trying to say it's grace alone. It's faith in the goodness of God alone. Don't cause any mixture. If you create mixture, you're going to create striving, and you're going to create a whole group of disappointed people. The minute we we challenge people's performance and get them to check boxes, we're going to have a system that just makes people feel miserable. That was a happy thing, no? I tell you, where is it in Scripture? It's where they weaned the child. And it is, he's talking about in Genesis 21. It says when they weaned the child, it says that the the, uh, Hagar and her son scoffed at them and mocked them. And they were mocking the promise. They were mocking what God had done. They were mocking the supernatural manifestation of what God had done. And when people mock the supernatural, they mock the performance of God. And they mock what can only come by grace. Don't let that exist. It's the goodness of God and the goodness of God alone for every one of us. That's why I can be a simple, humble individual. Because it's all God and it has nothing to do with me. Amen. Let me finish. Boom, I think I'm done. Boom, Abraham, this led to Abraham. If you read it, Abraham, from that point, Abraham stepped into a place of boldness. He stepped into a place of prospering. He stepped into a place of taking the promise. He confronted a king who he didn't confront before. He began to take back as well as take back his land. And when you'll get mixture out of the equation, you'll start to see the promise of God manifest in your life, and you'll start to see the overcoming nature be manifest in all those things that you're like, I can't, I can't, I can't. You'll say, it's done, it's done, it's done, it's done. One more slide. I think that's all they got. Romans 1, 17, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith. This is the amplified version. It says it's disclosed in a way that awakens more faith as it is written and forever remains written, the just and the upright shall live by Faith. It's not by effort or human effort or you trying harder or 10 more Holy Ghost push-ups. It's you simply by faith saying, I submit to the grace of God flowing in my life in a big, big way. And that grace will deliver addicts. It'll deliver broken lives in this community. It'll touch people. And this city needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. 
People you know need to hear the good news. Not a self-righteous religious gospel, not performance, but you know what? God's good and he's nuts about you. And it has nothing to do with your performance. It has to do with what he did. He did it all on your behalf. Just come and receive and you'll be set free from being a slave to sin and you'll find that you are a slave to righteous living.